This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, providing the business management and technology expertise your church needs. Find out more at auxilio.partners slash five points. Welcome to the Five Points Church Planting Podcast. I'm Hunter Brewer. My co-host is Josh Kynes. We have a very special guest with us this morning, Dr. John Kwasney, a biblical counselor, a author, an educator, a servant to the Church of Christ, and an all-around really good dude. And we are thankful for him. And we will tell you a little bit more about John along the way, but wanted to let our audience know how I first crossed paths with this wise sage, planting a church in a suburb of Jackson, Mississippi. And John had just come on staff at the mother church that was responsible for getting us started. And I was in the throes of numerous crises as a young pastor. And I didn't know up from down. And that one seminary class I had on counseling just wasn't cutting it. I, I was I felt overwhelmed and unprepared to counsel anyone about anything. And Josh, my co-host, was my assistant pastor. And I think I went into Josh's office with sackcloth and ashes and was just down in the dumps and didn't know what to do. And I felt like Josh might know what to do a little bit more than me. He's, uh, I would say, a bit more gifted in the in the arena of counseling. And Josh just immediately told me, you need to go to Pear Orchard, and you need to meet a guy by the name of John Kwasney, and he'll set you straight. And that's how I first met John. And he did help me tremendously to get a better grasp on on counseling and speaking the gospel into the wounded souls of people. So, John, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Hunter and Josh. Uh, glad to be here. And that's probably one of the better introductions I've ever had. I, I, uh, <laughs> I appreciate all those very kind words. Yeah, John, I, you know, are just uh, for me as well, just ha having known you and your, uh, your family as a whole early on, uh, when we were starting our family, uh, we heard about this uh, crew over at Pear Orchard with this larger family, and uh, we had aspirations for a larger family as well. And you and your wife Marty were uh, just so gracious to, to to host us at your house, to sit down, and answer our questions, to let us pepper you with um, uh, just a host of questions and thoughts about raising a large family, being a large family in ministry, boundaries in ministry, all types of things. Uh, what started with an initial conversation led to several others, and. You've always opened up your home and, and life to us, and we've been so grateful for that. Um, uh, it was uh, some of the most kind of formative and helpful for my wife early on uh, in her kind of both ministerial and parenting uh, mothering roles. And uh, for me as well, as as Hunter said, I uh, spent a lot of my seminary time with an emphasis in counseling and even pursued uh, for a short period the, the dual master's degree there. And uh, our conversations and encouragements have always been super helpful. So uh, again, I will I will mimic Hunter's words of gra uh, gratitude for you and and uh, so grateful for your role here. And uh, and that that would lead us, I guess, maybe into 
um, we, we've we've told you our reasons for believing that you should be here and and, and speaking to us concerning uh, specifically our topic for today, spiritually healthy uh, marriages and, and ministry and church planting. But maybe you could tell a little bit, our audience, a little bit about your journey uh, in terms of, of biblical counseling and, and ministry as a whole. I think the, that story alone is just a, an interesting one, having known it, I heard it myself. Uh, just tell them a little bit about your journey uh, in both biblical counseling and ministry. Well, again, thank you uh, for those words, Josh. I, I remember those uh, days uh, uh, first hanging out with you guys like it was almost yesterday, but uh, it was a long time ago uh, and a lot of kids ago and, and a lot of ministry life ago. But uh, yes. yeah, my, my well, you, um, you had you had not aged, but we know oh, <laughs> I'm getting close. I'm get, getting close to my 57th birthday. So I, I have aged and uh, believe it or not, I have a 30 year old daughter now, which is even worse to think about. But, oh, that's uh, crazy. <laughs> uh, it is crazy. And some wonderful grandkids. But um, as far as my journey uh, in counseling, it, it's quite a circuitous route, I would say, Tip, different than most uh, uh, folks that go through seminary and they know they want to be called to the ministry. I, I didn't think I would ever be uh, in the church. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I, I kind of go back to uh, the point where uh, I did a summer mission trip uh, my after my freshman year in college. Uh, went to a Christian university, went on a summer mission trip for three months to to London and Scotland. And in London, uh, we uh, had a little coffee shop and we did kind of relational evangelism, which really turned out to be counseling, right? Uh, dealing with people's problems and issues. So I was a journalism major of all things and went back uh, to start my sophomore year. So I'm changing to a psychology major because I thought that's it. I want to be a psychologist, uh, I want to work in mental health, you know, helping people with their problems. And so I graduated, went on to get a master's in counseling from another Christian university. But somewhere along the line, uh, and that's a much longer story, uh, the experience was uh, too secular for me, too psychologically based. I had the desire to have Christian foundations, biblical foundations. And so when I graduated, I really didn't understand a good solid view uh, of counseling. I was a little bit like Hunter. I had I had more than just one class. I had a bunch of classes, but I really didn't uh, know how to do counseling that was thoroughly biblical and gospel-centered and Christ-centered and, and sought true transformation of, of folks. Uh, and so thankfully, I, I met a, a guy named Sid Galloway from New Orleans. He mentored me in biblical counseling. Uh, I opened up, uh, I say, I, uh, my wife, Marty, who is also a counselor, we opened up New Hope Christian Counseling uh, in Baker, Louisiana, right? Right outside of Baton Rouge. Uh, I don't know if you, Josh, you know where that is. Yeah, uh, too well. Yeah. And, uh, and so my time there was wonderful. We actually partnered with six churches that grew into dozens of churches coming alongside the church for five years, uh, just saw people from from their churches and from the community uh, in a little office and uh, helped individuals, couples, uh, families. But then I, I met another crossroads in my life. Uh, I started questioning, and don't get me wrong, I, I love all the counseling centers out there that serve the church, but I started questioning, uh, do I need to be in the church, in the local church? Uh, because I'd have comments from some of my counselees that said, 
hey, you know, I can't really talk to my pastor. So you're more like my pastor. I'm going to think of you as my pastor. I'm like, whoa, not a pastor. And then they would pay, they would pay their uh, fees and say, you know, that's my tithe. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, uh, I was a good Presbyterian. I'm like, this is not good. This is not good ecclesiology that they're thinking of me as their church. Uh, and so I, I really long started longing to see myself and to start to think of biblical counseling be, being such a central part of the local church. But as you all know, there's not a whole lot of places out there, churches, you got to be a pretty large church to just hire a guy to do biblical counseling that wasn't an ordained teaching elder, not a pastor. Um, but I went on staff, thankfully, at my own church uh, at the time, Plains Presbyterian Church in Zachary, Louisiana. And uh, I snuck in the side door. I, I agreed to be director of Christian education and be over there Sunday schools and Bible studies and all that good stuff. And yet bring my skills as a biblical counselor. So uh, half my time was counseling. Half my time was the discipleship ministry of the church. Uh, and then uh, 18 years ago, I came to Pear Orchard uh, here in Jackson and uh, brought on as director of discipleship ministries, but also part of the pastoral counseling team, uh, also teach the pastoral counseling class uh, at RTS Jackson. Uh, so wonderful opportunity to just continue now coming up on 33 years of, of biblical counseling. And that's that's kind of my journey. Hmm. So, John, you are a counselor, you're involved with Christian education, you have a company, One Story Ministry, so the better terminology is ministry, not company, <laughs> that produces Sunday school curriculum, um, and we use your curriculum and very excited about what you do. In fact, we're using the new adult apologetic curriculum this oh, awesome. this this fall. And uh, we're thankful for that. You're also an author. I would encourage our listeners to Google John Kwasny, K-W-A-S-N-Y, and see all that he has written. We use in our communicants class uh, one of your books, and I've had a lot of great feedback from several of the parents established in the faith. 12 Conversations to Lead Your Child to Profess Faith in Christ. You've produced numerous works. Um, again, check those out, but you also have a, a podcast. Tell us about biblical counseling today. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, several years ago, um, I was blogging a lot as people were doing more back then. I guess people still blog all the time now, but my wife and her identical twin, and whenever they come to me and say, you have to do something, I'm like, okay, I guess I have to do it. As they told <laughs> me people aren't, uh, you know, young people aren't reading they're listening to podcasts. So you need to podcast your material. I'm like, okay. Um, so I decided, you know, to do what you guys are doing, but I, you know, I wanted to make podcasting easy for me. So I'm like, I don't think I can line up people to interview and have these conversations and do all that editing. So it's just going to be me talking. So that's all biblical counseling today is. So uh, started several years ago. Uh, we're up to 10 seasons now, about 12 episodes in each season. So a little over 100 episodes. Started off with a season on individual counseling, then a season on marriage counseling, parenting counseling, uh, and then got more specific. There's seasons on uh, complicated and more complicated counseling problems, teenage problems, adult children, suffering, a real fun season on what I call demonic confusion versus biblical logic. 
Uh, and just finished season 10 a little while ago on communication, um, working on season 11. But yet again, this time it was my daughter who said, Dad, we need a podcast for kids. You got that podcast for adults. We need a podcast for kids. So I'm just beginning a podcast called One Story Time, uh, connected to One Story Ministries, that it's, is 10 minutes of me uh, talking to kids about a theological word of the week or a counseling issue. I, I weave counseling mm. in there, how to deal with anger, your anger, your anxiety, whatever, um, or you know, kind of adapt a Bible story for conversation with them. So taking a little break from biblical counseling today, but it's still out there, a lot of episodes to listen to. And the, the rumor on the street is that season 13 will be about how church planners are unsettled and crazy and they need uh, to not be trusted and they need all the help they can get from counselors. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a very specific season right there. Uh, I'll do, I'll do an interview. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll interview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Yeah. I got a lot to say on the topic. Yeah. <laughs> So that'll kind of get us into our topic for the today, um, you know, spiritually healthy marriages in, in ministry and in church planting. So we'll look at it from the broader perspective of just marriage in general, marriage in marriages that, you know, uh, are struggles and tensions may be faced in the ministry, in the area of ministry itself. And in particular, maybe some of the unique challenges to church planters uh, and their marriages. Um, so, John, let me let me just start with a maybe a softball general question of saying what what are some of the kind of major pitfalls marriages are facing today as you're, you know, continuing to do counseling in, in the ministry where you are now, what are, what do you see as some of the major pitfalls marriages are facing today uniquely? You know, the, the good part of aging and uh, counseling for a long time is some things stay exactly the same, but then some things change dramatically. And, you know, in, in one sense, uh, marriages are struggling in the big three areas that they've always struggled in, communication, conflict, and intimacy. Uh, those are always the big three trouble spots, the big three things we have to pay attention to. You know, how are we communicating? How are we dealing with the issues in our marriage? And are we growing together in oneness? Um, those are always uh, pitfalls, struggle points, uh, tension areas. But I've got um, more specific ones these days that I, I, I thought of five to answer that question. Uh, the first one is technology. Um, it's amazing what has changed in technology. Obviously, I, I I remember the days when we were first married and our commitment was that we would eat every meal together, um, even when we had started having children, and we would not answer the phone. We would, we would sit and talk and not answer the phone. And now what's happening? The phone is right next to us, right? As I'm eating breakfast, my phone is right there next to me. And Marty's phone is right there next to her. Uh, so we answer the phone, but we, we were, we're worse today, aren't we? We're, we're texting, we're checking social media. Uh, we're looking, reading, reading the news, uh, whatever we're doing. Um, a big pitfall for marriage today, uh, couples that I see all the time that their evening consists of the two of them in separate rooms scrolling through social media um, or with their personal screen time, right? Watching their own movies. And they, they don't watch a movie together, a show together. I'm watching my show on my laptop and I'm again, scrolling through my phone in the other room. 
uh, a big recurring problem. Uh, the second one that I've described in various places uh, over time is as the the roommate marriage problem. Uh, if intimacy is a problem, one of our regular sin problems in marriage is to uh, avoid intimacy and create a comfortable roommate situation where we don't have a lot of fights. We get along just fine, uh, but we're really mainly focused on kids or careers or other people or activities and just avoid real close intimacy. Um, and I always talk about fivefold intimacy, mental, emotional, recreational, spiritual, and physical. Um, those are avoided uh, to one degree or another to build this sort of, again, comfortable roommate where we're, we're good with each other. We're, uh, we get along, um, but there's not much more than that. And I think as believers, we need more than that and should be. Uh, another one I kind of look at and I'm seeing more and more in the realm of communication is how many of our couples uh, their only communication is what I call business meeting communication. It's all informational. It's all they spend spend time by text or in person talking about, you know, when's when's practice today for this child and when's this event and, and what are we doing for dinner and uh, what are weekend plans? And and they have 90%, maybe 100% is, is all business and very little uh, intimate talk, very little heart to heart. How are we doing? How am I doing? Um, what's going on in my mind and heart? What am I struggling with? What am I excited about? What are my joys? What are my sorrows? Um, it's all business. Uh, the fourth one, I would just uh, piggyback on that is, and maybe the second one is uh, busyness. Uh, the busyness of life, right? Isn't that um, what we continue to hear from all of our folks and maybe even struggle with ourselves, that the schedule just keeps getting more and more packed, more and more good things that we just can't turn down because they're good. They're great. They're good things to do. And couples are way more busy than ever. Um, it, it's no, no let up, it seems. And so busyness keeps them from each other. Um, and then I'm going to throw in a little random one. Maybe it sounds like, but I don't know why this is. Well, I do know why it's so important to me. I won't say I don't know why it's so important, but I, I, I ask my couples regularly this one question. Um, <clears throat> do you go to bed at the same time? Again, a random sort of like, hey, why are you invading our bedroom? I like, because this is very important. Do you go to bed? And I have yet in the last 15 years, probably, of asking that question, uh, get, had someone say, yes, we go to bed at the same time. They all go to bed at different times. Now, why is that significant? Well, it should be obvious, right? It's really hard when one person in some time, it's not always this way, but the wife is exhausted from the hard day and she's going to bed at seven o'clock and husband says, I'm a night owl. That's just how I've been since college. And I like to stay up watching TV or working late till 10 and 11 and 12. And I'll just sneak into bed. Like, where is the conversation? Where's the intimacy? And then the same thing I ask about the morning. Do you guys wake up in the morning and have a morning routine together? Well, no, I get up at five. I go for a run and I'm already in the shower and I'm out the door to work. Now I sleep in. I'm, I'm you know, night owl sleeps in, you know. And so I usually a very simple homework that you can tell with that pitfall, right? Like go to bed at the same time. And it's so funny to people like it's impossible. Like, can't you find a time when you actually are in bed together 
Um, and I'll talk about this on, during another question, but, uh, you know, enjoying that time. So that might sound random out of left field, but don't forget that one. Uh, and I'll, I'll circle back to that one later. Sure. John, super helpful. And as we think about these obstacles, what are the obstacles that are particular to people in ministry? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I do really enjoy um, talking to pastors and their wives. And of course, sometimes, uh, a lot of times that's under tough circumstances. Um, but so many pastors and wives over the years have, have come to me because they, you know, I it sound desperate. They have nowhere else to go. You know, they, they, they don't, uh, necessarily have a counselor in their community, um, but they have struggles and who are they going to talk to in their congregation when they're, uh, when he's the counselor, uh, sort of thing. And so I've talked to many couples, watched many, uh, people, and of course, myself, uh, in ministry, and and I started thinking through. All right, what what do I see the most of? Uh, I would start with the fact that the typical pastoral ministry schedule is very hard on marriage all by itself. Now we could say that about doctor schedules and you know shift worker schedules and and all that sort of thing as well. But when we're talking about ministry, we're talking about people who work every weekend. You know, husbands that. Hey, I'm working on my sermon on Saturday, Saturday night. Um, and of course, uh, Sunday is not a, a typical rest day. Um, I'm here every weekend. I get a couple of weekends off a year, but every weekend we're working, if you will. Uh, a lot more evenings than we'd like uh, in many ministry situations. Uh, depending on the ministry situation, not a lot of vacation time. Um, and then that vacation time becomes, we got to visit family. It's not really vacation for us. I mean, I, I would say it was a probably about just four or five years ago that Marty and I actually had a vacation by ourselves that was just by ourselves, <laughs> uh, not, not with kids and not visiting other family, like just by ourselves, things that other people seem to do a lot. And it's like, we just couldn't figure out how to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's the, the reality. First thing, that ministry schedule is just hard on marriage. One of the obvious probably is, depending on the situation, is financial strain. Um, mm -hmm. Those who are, uh, you know, in any kind of, whether it's church planning all the way to any sort of ministry, you're always feeling uh, that pressure. Um, Money is always in that top three or four uh, things that couples fight about. Uh, and and the pressure of, of being frugal with money, of having enough money, uh, of not being able to just go out and get another job or not necessarily um, our wives able to work. And, and so a financial strain um, really impacts marriage. Um, here's one maybe we don't think about as much, but I see recurring over and over again. Um, unhappy church members gossiping about our spouse. Um, and typically this is the unhappy church member talking a lot about the pastor and the pastor's wife gets a wind of it, or the pastor tells his wife about things that have been said or, or done, or, and she gets angry, and she, you know, she gets bitter towards the church or towards her husband uh, for not handling it right, or, you know, maybe we don't need to be here. Maybe we need to be in a different church, a better church, uh, where, where there's not so many people, because, that you know, <laughs> people, people are the problem. Uh, but that really, really causes a lot of conflict uh, with couples. 
Uh, a related um, obstacle is husbands not talking to their wives about church issues. Now, I will say right up front, there's a hard balance here. I, I do not espouse uh, uh, husbands coming home and telling all the gory details of every day, of every ministry situation, of every elders meeting, of every every staff meeting, of every situation that goes on in the church. But at the same time, I meet a lot of wives who feel distant from their husband um, because he doesn't share a whole lot. He just seems stressed all the time or feels the pressure and the burdens and won't unburden himself with talking about some of those things. And and sometimes husbands says, I don't want to talk to my wife about them because she doesn't handle them well. She gets angry or upset or she now changes her view about a particular church member who thought she thought was great. And now suddenly she thinks is Satan, you know, <laughs> because <laughs> of how he, she, he, he's interacting with my husband. Um, uh, a, a related one, I'll just do a couple more. A related one is seeing ministry when pastors specifically see the ministry as my ministry, not our ministry, or, uh, where wives think it's his ministry, not mine. <laughs> like he was called, I wasn't called. I'm along for the ride. I don't know if I'm really enjoying the ride. Uh, and if there's not a sense, this is our ministry, our call, our life, our mission, uh, lots of potential uh, fractures in marriage because it's just my ministry and not yours. Um, two more. Uh, the pressure, I will say from a wife uh, standpoint, a pressure on the wife from the congregation to be the superwoman, to be a wonderful wife, hospitable, um, <laughs> a great parent, great mom, but also church organist, pianist, uh, yeah. te teach women's studies, <laughs> you know, be involved anywhere and everywhere we need you because you're the pastor's wife. Yeah. Um, sometimes that expectation is coming from the husband. Like, honey, I need you visible. I need you everywhere. I need you involved here. I, if if you don't show up, that looks bad on me. If yeah. you're not up to going to this Bible study or, you know, women's retreat. And finally, um, we'll end with maybe the most obvious uh, obstacle in ministry marriage is my marriage must be perfect. It's idolized by the congregation. They look at me and us like we should not have any problems uh, in marriage. And certainly not in parenting. Um, we should have great kids, healthy marriage, so we can help everybody else who are struggling. Uh, when the reality is we're sinners like everybody else. say that um if you throw a stick into a pack of wolves you know the one that gets hit is the one that goes yeah. uh so i think each one of those uh resonate uh with me <laughs> tremendously um as you as you think about the experience of pastors in general just wonder how much interaction you know through the years you've had with church planters and you and, and do you see some distinction i mean all of those are things i think we you know hunter and i would say we have faced and he and i've talked about having you know served a ministry together uh, before and have maintained friendship through the years since. Um, I think all of those are things that we would that resonate with us in, in ministry in general. But do, do you see some that that are uniquely kind of geared towards church planters, particularly? 
Yeah, I've had the opportunity again to to see some, uh, to again be a part of of lives, uh, y'all's lives, others' lives that our church planting. You know, obviously in in PCA circles and in, in other denominations, uh, we recognize that it's a a unique ministry calling to be a church planner. We we test right, we test marriages, we yep. uh, we put people through assessments to say, okay, this is not just. For everybody now no ministries for everybody obviously but i think all that list uh applies but i thought of several that i've seen the first is i think it has church planting even has a more unique scheduling issue uh time issue because the schedule is much more irregular uh the early days of a church it's not uh, you know, I, 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 I need a schedule to live by and, and a regular institutional church that's been around for 50 years, like our church. Um, it's pretty regular. I know what my life looks like every week. Uh, a church planner doesn't, right? There's no, uh, consistency for times of meeting with people. Uh, yeah, we might have a meeting time, but, but I have all these people to visit with. I have, uh, hey, let's do this on Thursday. And you told your wife on Wednesday, you know. <laughs> and so I think with ir- an irregular schedule, the, the possibility of less consistent times for our marriage and family are there. Uh, also point to unique financial struggles, uh, fundraising. I mean, fundraising different than a, a staff guy like me. I don't have to raise my salary, right? I, uh church planning, missionaries. I mean, it's all in there, like constant, like I've got to keep expanding my base. I got to keep, uh, keep the funds moving that affects the marriage and not just the heaviness of it for the, for the husband, but what the wife feels, uh, as well. Uh, I'll point to uh, isolation. You guys can talk a lot more about your own personal experience, but I think, you know, depending on the type of church plant, some people have the privilege of church planting nearby where they, their mother church was, but a lot are parachuted in other, other situations where, you know, there's, uh, there's no friends, there's no, it's a new place. It's a new city. Uh, no couple friends that match up to us right away. It takes years to recultivate that. Uh, and so it's, it's very isolating, uh, for a marriage, because again, where, where are they being fed by other relationships that they can be mentored and enjoy, um, you know, camaraderie, sometimes you got to find that more long distance and then it's just not as much. Um, a couple more husband, uh, I have down here, husband building all the relationships and the wife isn't as much, you know, um, a lot of church planners I know, you know, they're, Back in the day, maybe now they're at Starbucks, they're at coffee shops, they're visiting with people, they're they're getting to know the community, um, and they're getting to be known. And you know, the wife's at home with the kids, uh, or wife might be working uh, a, a busy job to to support them, and so she just doesn't have the relationships. He does, and so it's hard to connect communication wise. It's hard to again, it's another little wedge issue that's that's unique uh similar one is husband doing everything so he's never home you know <laughs> the the church planner is everything right, is, right? he's doing yeah. everything from soup to nuts as we like to say right from beginning to end from every part 
Um, and the, the joy of finally getting an associate, a staff member, <laughs> someone alongside uh, brings a lot of relief, um, but still on that one church plan for a long time. And so he's never home. He's just, and he looks at his wife and says, this is just the gig, you know, this is just what it is. And uh, there's got to be a lot of patience uh, during those initial years that can carry on for more, uh, depending on where the church plan is. And then I'll give you just one last kind of one that that hit me. And, and this was talking to a wife recently, actually. Um, not your wives, not your wives. Um, but, uh, you, you tell me, wouldn't you? You tell no, me. No, I would. I would tell you. <laughs> Maybe not in, in public, private. But uh, uh, I've Ooh. talked to a wife and wives in the past that are kind of inwardly, and don't tell their husband, bitter and kind of burned out on all the socializing events they're supposed to host. You know, how many times her husband's like, we're having another get together in the backyard. We're having people over Friday night. We're having another couple over Saturday night. And they're like, when is it going to just be us? Now, some wives, again, are just nice extroverts and social, and it doesn't bother them at all. And they love it. But not all our wives are like that. And even the most social, you know, need some downtime. And sometimes it's constant people, 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 people in a unique way that isn't, again, for your traditional pastor who kind of has some boundaries built in uh, to a church, but not in church planning where there's no boundaries, right? There can be where everybody's in our life all the time. Um, yeah. Everything happens in our house, you know, and, and she gets burned out. John, we have a calendar on our refrigerator. It's it's kind of the old school way, I guess, because I know that there are apps now where families can plan their daily lives together, <laughs> but we just, you know, have a old school dry erase calendar on our refrigerator where we write down family dates. And not too long ago, my wife drew, it was a red line through, I can't remember how many dates. And I said, Hey, what's the, what's the red line for? Are we going somewhere? Are we going on a trip? This looks exciting. What does this mean? And she said, I just need a break from meeting with anybody. Uh, let's not have anybody over. Let's not uh, host anything. Let's not, do whatever I need a break. And, yeah. um, you know, what you just said really, mm. really hits home because you feel the pressure as a church planter to make this happen. Mm. I, I got to build this church. Um, I want to glorify God, but you know, in a, in a personal, maybe more sinful sense, uh, I don't want to fail. I, mm. I don't want this to go down in flames. And so you're pushing, pushing, pushing. And I think that red line was my wife saying, let's, Let's take a let's take a breather here, mm. and uh, th those are those are good words. Good example there, yeah, for sure. That's the last word for now. You can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting, or by email at reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.